Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Cosmos, Cosmos Space-Time Odyssey, and Cosmos Possible Worlds. Cosmos Episode 2, titled One Voice in the Cosmic Fugue. Uh, another fantastic, fantastic episode uh, that deals a lot with life. Uh, deals a lot with the origins of life on this planet, uh, how we got from the primordial soup to where we are now, like every step on that evolutionary ladder, uh, how life could form elsewhere, theoretically, uh, the inner workings of our ecological system now, like, just all about life. And they explore all of this so, so well. Once again, Carl Sagan, like, I mean, at a certain point, me praising Carl Sagan for brilliantly breaking down all these concepts in an understandable way that never feels like I'm being talked down to. Uh, At a certain point, that's going to get redundant, so I'll probably stop at some point. Uh, But we're early in this uh, season, so who cares? Uh, Carl Sagan, brilliantly breaking down these concepts in uh, really understandable ways that never feel like I'm being talked down to. Uh, Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, And actually, (laughs) so, because this episode deals a lot with evolution, naturally, I couldn't help but think about that one Family Guy bit where Peter is watching television and (laughs) on the TV is Cosmos edited for rednecks. (laughs) And it's just Carl Sagan sitting there saying, scientists believe the Earth was created... Hundreds and hundreds of years ago by God. (laughs) If you examine the bones of a Jesus, you will find that Mountain Dew is the greatest soda ever made. (laughs) I just couldn't stop thinking about that bit during this episode. Man, say what you will about Family Guy, it is not the greatest show on the planet, but... Damn, do they have their moments. <laughs> when they are good, they are good. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But anyway, we get this big, intimate exploration of the origins of life. And it all starts with a feel-good story of an ancient Japanese samurai clan losing a brutal war and committing mass suicide, including their seven-year-old emperor, and then forever wandering the bottom of the ocean as crabs. Fun! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they, uh, they go into this Japanese legend of this one samurai clan who lost this war, drowned themselves when it was clear that they were going to lose, uh, and then after that, this, like, superstition started arising where occasionally in that uh, particular body of water, I can't remember if it's, like, an ocean or a lake or whatever, uh, but in that particular body of water, there are these crabs that kind of look like they have a scowling samurai face on their bodies. And there is this superstition that sort of arouse that those were the souls of these warriors who drowned themselves, and those, like, just always got thrown back. Like, those crabs just got thrown back all the time because of this superstition. And the way this gets brought around very expertly is that this is sort of a form of artificial selection. Uh, without fishermen knowing it, they kind of created an ecosystem where the trait of body that looks like a scowling samurai face became the most desirable because that means you're more you're more likely to survive. You're gonna get thrown back because of this superstition. So that became like this artificially selected. This is the crab now. This is how you survive. This is the best trait for a crab to have. And now the crabs in that body of water just all have it or mostly have this scowling samurai face for their body. Uh, and, like, it's just a really, really cool way to just sort of ease you into this concept of artificial selection. Uh, and then we go to livestock. How, like, we as humans, when we're getting into farming, uh, sort of find certain traits desirable for uh, creating farms, creating livestock uh, supplies. And just we sort of favor some traits over the other in domesticating these wild animals and then we take a bridge from that into natural selection and that's when this episode becomes all about evolution and we get into this natural selection uh we have carl sagan breaking down like mutation and uh which traits become most desirable which adaptations become more desirable and slowly, like, over billions and billions of years, we go from, like, just primordial ooze to the diversity of life we know. The humans, the plants, the animals, uh, and all of that. And what I really, really love, like, Carl Sagan painstakingly takes us through this evolutionary calendar. And we go from that primordial soup to... Uh, these organic molecules smashing together to form increasingly complex uh, forms of life, to form com com increasingly complex versions of themselves, increasingly complex combinations. 
Uh, and then we get single cell organisms, and then we get like rudimentary plant life, rudimentary uh, animal life. Uh, we get like the fishes, we get the fishies, the fishies. Uh, some of them become amphibians, some of the amphibians become reptiles, and like slowly, like there's dinosaurs, some of them become like some of the remnants become birds and all that. Like slowly over time, we go from one to the other to the other to the other, and they keep branching out. They keep going uh, onto a further and further spread of like these different these different branches of a tree. And you see all that happening, and you see how like this primordial soup goes directly to over billions and billions of years, humans. And then, after this big, complex, Carl Sagan's, like, taking you through this step-by-step, he then, and we had this, like, these little drawings show up, and then he's like, let's compress that all into 40 seconds. And you see this, like, really well-done animation of life's journey from primordial soup to humanity. And so you see, like, these billions of years of evolution that resulted in us just happen so, so quickly on such an accelerated timetable. And it's really well done. And it's so cool to witness. And I love that moment. And then, once we, like, are done going through all the evolutionary ladder, and I'm skipping a lot of stuff, like, I'm skipping a lot of Carl Sagan monologues, simply because Carl Sagan, man, it's kind of hard to do a play-by-play of everything that is discussed in this episode, or in this entire show, rather, when Carl Sagan is way better at explaining these things than I ever could be. So... I have a feeling a lot of these episodes are going to be short. I have a feeling a lot of these are going to be short discussions because it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to skip those seven different eloquently written, eloquently delivered Carl Sagan monologues where Carl Sagan explains something better in 30 seconds than I could in 30 minutes. (laughs) Like, he's just so good that it's just like, I'd be doing a disservice to try and recount those monologues. But after that, we sort of go inward and examine the cells in the human body. So the inner workings of the human body. Now, uh, we have the great moment where Carl Sagan, like, pricks his finger on, like, a rose. And you see, like, the red blood cells and all of that. And then they go in, they examine cells in the body, examine the different components. Uh, We see the DNA replication process. Uh, the unraveling enzyme, the unwinding enzyme, I think it's called, actually, uh, and all of that. And all of that is so fascinating, and it it's visually represented. It's visually represented so freaking perfectly. It's visually represented in such a spectacular way. Uh, and it's just, it's just so, so freaking cool. And then, in quite possibly... The coolest moment of the entire episode, we get to see an experiment play out of one of Carl Sagan's colleagues basically trying to recreate 
the building blocks of life, trying to recreate the conditions on primitive Earth that caused the building blocks to form, that caused that initial primordial soup to be created. And so we get the old Earth atmosphere of hydrogen and uh, methane and ammonia uh, before plants showed up and, like, just gave off oxygen into the air. Uh, and oxygen became the primary atmosphere of Earth. Uh, combine that with, like, water. Combine that with this uh, primitive lightning substitute. And you get this, like, you get this, like, ball of primordial sludge that with some X factor that we don't know about yet, although uh, there is an update that is on the DVD version of this, and I'm very happy that they put this in. Uh, there is an update at the very, very end where Carl Sagan's sitting down 10 years later and is like, uh, hey, so New Science has uh, figured out that like maybe comets hold some of that, that X factor that we don't know about yet, and maybe comets... Uh, were the uh, secret ingredient to get primordial sludge to all this other stuff. Like, maybe that's it. Uh, but you see that experiment play out in such a fantastic way. And then I especially adore the ending of this episode, where Carl Sagan's like, okay, that's how life formed on Earth, but how would life form somewhere else? Because there has to be planets out there with the right conditions to support life. There has to be life on other worlds out there in some form, even if they're just, like, uh, microorganisms, even if they're just, like, amoebas, like, there have to be life somewhere out there in the stars, like, the universe is too big, and, uh, the organic building blocks are too easy to naturally create, that, like, clearly there has to be something, and so Carl Sagan just starts speculating on what life on Jupiter m might look like if life had indeed evolved on Jupiter and just starts speculating wildly of just like maybe these types of creatures would create and you see sinkers and floaters and hunters and it's just like maybe I mean probably not but like it, it probably is not this but there's nothing saying it's not this. Like, it, it, it's probably not this, but it's also not not this. <laughs> like, and it's just like a really cool ending of like, just stimulating that imagination. Like, you have the information. You have the information from this episode of how life is formed. Now, like, use your imagination of like, what conceivably life might look like on other planets if life truly evolved there like and it's just it's great it, it's so great this episode is very very good uh it's another excellent installment of cosmos uh if you like this favorite the podcast anchor.fm slash tv archives so that you can be here every single monday through friday as i go through every single episode of this and other shows and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer feel free to call in as well, it's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. 
Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything you get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow, we will be discussing Cosmos Episode 3. Talk to you then.